we're back. Welcome once again to another episode of Mike, Mike, and Oscar. <laughs> I don't know, man. <laughs> <laughs> Movies are at an interesting place these days, right, Mike? <laughs> Cinema has gone in directions we did not expect. We are giving an Oscars profile review to the movie Titan. Titan. I've heard it pronounced a billion different ways. Yeah, Julia Durkinow's wildly famous and notorious and headline making and the movie of the moment right now, certainly amongst film Twitter, something that you kind of have to see to believe it's gotten a lot of hype. Uh, So in that way, it's done more than its fair share. Believe it or not, the movie of the moment is picked up by neon. And so they continue their hot streak of, Mm -hmm. of things that just, they know what they're doing. They got great marketing people and, and great festival watchers in their house. But uh, I am your co-host, Mike One. Co-host also, Mike, I have no idea how this is going to go. I don't either. I <laughs> I was as teasing as I've ever been in, in that first reaction segment a couple Oscar race checkpoints ago or a couple episodes ago. So I I really don't know if you're going to rage in this review. I don't either. I don't know. Like, are we going to fight? I don't. I I'll just, be honest. Mm-hmm. This is the first time we've done this show. I, I have not I've, I've not written anything down for spoilers. I've not even read what you wrote for spoilers in the doc because I watched this movie and was completely wrong in one facet of it. So I had to kind of like reinterpret everything I saw and I just didn't have time to collect my thoughts in, in that like educational way mm-hmm. not that there's a way to be educational about this movie, I don't think. But this is going to be interesting. I have no idea what I'm going to do or and, say. And I'll be honest, too. Like, maybe we'll, we're will we going to have to figure this movie out together. So I don't have a good beat on it. I mean, it's, a lot of critics have given some humility in talking about this movie in the sense that this is more of an exploration than it is an explanation on a lot of the YouTube videos and mm-hmm. a lot of the... Uh, the, the articles that I've read, the pe- the think pieces on Titan, which I'm a little I'm, I'm a little upset about because I, I want to know what it is about exactly. <laughs> like, why don't we know this? But that'll be our spoiler section, kind of wondering what this movie's about. So we truly don't get it quite yet. We're going to need to hear from you, the audience, yeah, uh, on this sure. one for sure. But, yeah, I mean, this is Palm Dior winning. We've covered the hell out of it. We covered the hell out of its TIFF run. It won the Midnight Madness People's Choice, which does matter and does have a small Oscars track record, as we talked about. Julia Duker now is the star of the New York Film Festival thus far. Like I said, she walked out that blue disco ball, dark blue mm-hmm. disco ball jacket that hit the light on that from that spotlight. I mean, it went to all our eyes all across the room, and she strutted out when she introduced the movie, and then she showed off the black dress opening the jacket underneath. And she, what a star. What an absolute star she was introing that movie. Got, a, got the biggest uh, ovation, standing ovation, of any movie I saw at the festival, I again I did not have the stopwatch for this, so it could have been X, mm-hmm. could have been X minutes long, could have been four, could have been five. It played for a song like in a half, but yeah, I mean uh, Agatha Roussel, Vincent Lindon were were also there, and they deserve to get that moment. I yes. thought with those performances that we'll talk about in a minute, but yeah, Titan is the movie of this moment because film Twitter says it is, Michael. And I, so, and I agree with them in that regard, I would say. Love it or what, hate it. Where is the love coming from? From the, Because, and I've heard, I've seen critics be humble, and I really do appreciate when they are, but I've also seen critics be like, it's this combination of this and, and this and this. It's so many, there's just so much going on. I can't really get into it right now. Like, just say you don't understand. (laughs) Nobody understands this movie perfectly well. Like, what is it about? Is it about something more sinister? And and that's the that's the whole allure of this episode, I think, for you and me. Like, I was thinking almost of pivoting and saying, all right, maybe we just do, you know, another half hour first reaction because there's Oscar Race Checkpoint Oryx stuff to do. But no, I think I think this movie deserves exploration in the sense that uh we have to we have to have a better idea at the end of this episode than than when we start. That is our mission today, right? <laughs> because we have we we're forced. So I I have a bunch of theories. Again, we'll get there, but you're right. I mean, it's just uh, the critics have loved this movie. We haven't heard the detractors as much yet. I mean, IndieWire had a yeah. had a piece where uh, Jude Dry, you know, accused this movie of transphobia accused this movie of 
some some things that uh, I, that was like the first piece I read where where we really got some some pushback and some backlash. So I'm, I've been waiting the, for that, right? And so have I. And I I find it impossible to believe that it's been all this love on something that nobody really has a firm grasp on. Do you, I mean, are we just all in love with the audacity and the audaciousness of Durkenau to put this out there? Are we in love with the fact that she does keep us guessing? Are we in love with the fact that this is such a highly polished film? Because it is very well made. We're going to talk about the technical aspects of it, but it's so highly polished, and yet it seems to be themeless for the most part. I mean, look, <sighs> my, Mike, I, I know you're going to say there, there is, not a, there is no, no theme movie, and I tend to agree. However, my counter to that mm-hmm. would be that you and I have watched probably tens, if not hundreds of thousands of movies, certainly at least thousands since we've been doing this show in punditry and critics. Like, we know what themes are. <laughs> we, we know what subtext is. And if the both of us are staring at this like, what the hell is this movie about? I, I tend to think there, there's... I, I err on the side of this is a little more open-ended than I do to say it's purposefully a combination of a billion different genres to keep you guessing, if that makes sense. I wish the director said something more assuring or definitive uh, during any of her interviews about <laughs> what it all means. <laughs> and I, I agree with you that I, I do think you want to come away saying something to your audience and, and as a filmmaker you want your audience to come away on on more uh sure ground i would say knowing stable. what the message is or yeah. at least being aware of what yeah especially when you're dealing with the subject matter that you're dealing right. with here you don't want ambiguity on this subject matter i would say because misinterpretations could be exactly very hurtful it could be de- detrimental to your career yeah so you don't want to mishandle the subject matter like that IndieWire article right. could represent. I don't know. I don't know. I just would say she has put it to us like I think we have uh, t- you know, talked about cinema in this way for a long time. And we want cinema to be this way. We want it to be open-ended sometimes as film critics. As I agree. people who you know, do this for twice every week. We want cinema to just raise conversations and raise questions. And that's what she said. And that's something that Spike Lee has always said throughout his career. Like, I don't want to give answers to everybody. I want to raise questions. I, I mean, she is a provocateur in, the, in the, the grandest sense of the word. So that in that regard, this movie accomplishes more than so many others, I would say. Yeah, it definitely gives you a ton to talk about, but I don't even know if I'm asking the right questions. You know, I guess that's kind of my frustration with it, too. But uh, as far as critics have received this, you're absolutely right. It's got a 74 Metascore. Hi. It's fresh on the tomato meter right now at 85% on 100 critic reviews. Uh, the audience score currently is a 7 out of 10 on about 3,800-plus reviews on IMDb. And the Rotten Tomato audience score is 89%, which is crazy to me but that's still under 50 verified rotten tomato audience rankings thus far and it's done okay at the box office it did pretty well in france uh taking 2.5 million dollars from that market since its mid-july release it hasn't really rolled out beyond north america italy maybe one or two other markets yet but its first weekend it did 515k which let's be honest at 562 theaters is not the boon the box office boon that i'm sure neon wanted necessarily Mm -hmm. i wonder how close that was to the tammy faye number that we criticized i think it was pretty close right so again i also think it's different standing on different ground too. an international release like this that's made for film festivals versus I think Tammy Faye was something that was true. I mean, we know it was a Jessica Chastain passion project. We kind of, it feels like it was Oscar Beatty in its inception a little bit, but uh, this like movie did not have parasite box office. Let's be correct. 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 This is not that. And then the film Twitter is probably talking about Titan like it's becoming this parasite type of movie, which I, I guess was, you know, a major burning question of this, episode that kind of got answered fairly quickly like i was based on the film twitter hype i would have thought the box office would have been much bigger right and that's maybe goes on to prove that film twitter sometimes is its own echo chamber uh which is something we've been 
participating in and critical of uh, many times in the show. We're guilty. Yeah, we are. (laughs) We are yelling very loudly, and the echo is happening about our, you know, coming from our voices that this is an echo chamber. Yes, right. (laughs) The plot premise reads: Following a series of unexplained crimes, a father is reunited with the son who has been missing for ten years. Yeah, there's also the definition of titan, which is a metal highly resistant to heat and corrosive with high tensile strength alloys. Uh, and th- those are the two premisei that we get <laughs> for titan. But also my premise is just another girl meets car story <laughs> that uh, we've been having fun with uh, all through now. So I guess I'm very curious, Mike, when you sat down for titan. I kind of hyped this movie up and teased you about it for 10 minutes in our episode. I tweeted about it and I teased you about it via text message. Obviously, you are following film Twitter to your detriment, to your glee. (laughs) When does the worm turn? When do your expectations like go on this journey of reverse psychology to psychology? When do you fight the reverse psychology? When... Does film Twitter favoritism actually flip and you say, actually, all right, I'm actually expecting film Twitter to be right to an extent and the movie love could be real. And and when does your heart thaw? It's it's tough to say for a movie like this because I, I knew so little about it outside of, you know, girl has sex with car, which we've joked about and talked about a bunch already having to do with this movie. Like that's when that's the premise Like, that's the information I'm going in with that I know. I really, truly had no expectations because I didn't know what to expect. I mean, I I get guarded when film Twitter overhypes or is, like, all in love with something. Mm. I don't even know that I was that guarded here because it seemed like this was just something that was so off base that I was just ready for whatever. I was willing to let the movie take me wherever it wanted to. So I think I was more accepting of this movie or more willing to be accepting of this movie at the start than I am usually. What about you? What were your expectations going in before you saw it? I was afraid. I mean, I talked about it in that episode. Like I, I don't like body horror movies. Raw really unnerved me quite a bit from Julia Durkinow. I, I was afraid of this movie going to places on the content advisory level that I would just freak out and want to run out of this theater and be humiliated for both on the podcast and in front of 1,100 people <laughs> when I saw this in New York. Uh, I, I, that didn't happen. I went into the rewatch very assured. Like, I was easy. I, I bought a nachos mic at my local AMC, and I like, you can make a meal out of those nachos. I didn't know you get cheese and salsa, by the way. That was, like, wonderful. But I'm in there with two other women in mass, and we're spread out in the theater. What was your... What was your audience size? Was this was this a a, a big crowd for you? Because nah. yeah, that's a shame. I would say like nah, it was me and two middle aged men, and I would have like <laughs> I would have paid anything to just sit next to one of them and wonder what the hell was going through their minds watching this. <laughs> yeah, just hey, well, just nudge them. Hot car, huh? It's just, yeah. Can you blame her? <laughs> no, I, I yeah, I I wish I had a more interactive movie going experience. Like a midnight madness at the Toronto Film Festival seems like it would be fun. Like, cause I think there was a lot of nerves in New York. Like, I didn't talk to anybody. I didn't have like a very as for eleven hundred people. I didn't have a communal experience. We all everyone just, like, just left the theater in shame. Yeah, we all just like just uh, clapped really fast. Why am very I horny about our boners? Yeah, that kind of right. thing. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but it, but yeah, you said it got such a huge ovation at the end of it. And just it did. I remember. I was free. I was frozen, not clapping, and it's like, oh, <laughs> this much. I looked around the whole place, and, and and then I was like, you know what? Fuck it. This was this. I'd never had a movie going experience like that before. So. I do respect that. And that was like my my tweet was almost tongue-in-cheek. Yeah, I was like, fuck it. Best picture. Let's go. <laughs> this would be a cool-ass best picture. If you want to say a provocative movie like this is the best film of the year at the Cannes Film Festival, and if that can somehow carry over. I mean, that's a fascinating discussion for us, I think, in, you know, uh, in this non-spoiler first half because, like, as a tensing, squirming, sexually confusing, yes, experience – you're relieved to survive it as a, as much 
if not more, then you're assured that you like it, I would say. So the second watch was kind of a confirmation to me. But the second watch loses a lot of the thrills and chills. So those goods delivered, like, I'm not afraid of rewatching this movie, I would say. And it's a very easy rewatch in that regard. So the scary scenes don't they they completely lose their power upon upon rewatch and you're kind of drawn to a few other big scenes and sequences, uh, but yeah, you're I can ultimately see that. you're kind of drawn to the script. I would say so. That's I don't know about you. Like you're looking at the script right now and you're saying I don't know, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not saying I know, but at least I was able to follow it very closely the second time. And it mm-hmm. made sense. So maybe, again, I'm teasing you, pissing you off probably for spoilers. But No, no. I mean, it's, I didn't know how to take the script. I tried viewing it a couple different ways. I tried looking at it like a black comedy. I tried looking at it as a body horror movie. I just, again, like, I, this thing seems to be saying so many different things mm-hmm. that I, I almost wish it had more, the story itself had more time to marinate. It's not necessarily a difficult story to follow. Right. I mean, I'll be honest, I, I had trouble following one aspect of it just because I kind of got bored in the middle of it. And I was amazed that I was able to get bored at, at some point in a movie like this with this kind of premise. But it, it's not a difficult story to follow. I just wish it was tighter. It's it's tight chronolo- chronologically. Right. Like, you're not like a memento type thing here going on where you'd like got to work yourself backwards and overly think about stuff. But it's just like... It shows stuff, stuff happens, and it's just like, oh, this is happening now, okay? I guess that makes sense. You can at least see the the breadcrumbs being left on the trail as to how you got to where you were easily enough. I just uh, wish the theme made sense. <laughs> I, I agree with you in the sense that the first act is so batshit insane and mm-hmm. the music is so good and yes. I mean, you, you got the car show, you got everything yes. that happens in that setup to this film is badass and just lunacy, pure cinematic yes. lunacy. So to the come down from that with the rest of the movie, it is a hard right turn. And I, yeah. that w- I was not expecting uh going into the first watch now the second watch once you know like you're in right. for that i would say if if like we saw trailers for the last hour of this movie i mm-hmm. think we would have been our, our expectations would have been set but the trailers are all centered on the first 20 minutes of the yes. film right yes agree so that agree the, and and i mean it's it's a great you know it's a very provocative first act or first however long half hour Right. But the character but, study fact of this movie, which is what it becomes yes. and it devolves into, and the gender study and the body horror, that, I, I think it, it still kind of worked on me, I would say, just to give my opinion. I guess the first, I think you're kind of just stupefied <laughs> Yeah, I on mean, the first watch. I, I agree with you. I had the same feelings. That's why my reaction to this movie when everybody's applauding is like, really? <laughs> and then you know you the more you think about it like you say the more respect you can have for it i mean there's definitely highs to be had i think the performances like you kind of alluded to already are these are two great performances i i am so impressed with both of them and agatha roussel was found on instagram so this is a testament to this director julia mm-hmm. ducournau getting this performance out of agatha i'm like i almost want to withhold my judgment on this movie and see what the next movie uh, she does Agatha because is she just the super talent or is she was this performance brought out by the director like I think regardless you have to give a a lot of that credit to the director as well I mean it's it's a fantastic performance but to have a relative neophyte come in and and put this forward it's got to be something that the director did as well the director kept saying how she doesn't want that character be, to be relatable. And yet... Well, mission accomplished. <laughs> well, but fine. But yet, we are in the POV of this character for all these weird dance scenes for the rest of the movie. Where I, I, I can't help but relate to this character. Like, we're in the room when... Yeah, she's definitely the, who we see the movies through the eyes of, but her motivations are never clear. The touchstone character becomes 
Vincent as the movie goes along. So you spend yes. act one with Agatha. The rest of the movie, the touchstone is Vincent. But that's also problematic for a first watch because you don't know what he's all about. I thought he was one kind of character for my first watch. And then rewatching it, I was like, okay, I know who he is. Now let me study him. So that's very helpful, I think. So the more you study this movie, the more it has a traditional screenplay, Mike, which is the shock of all shocks. <laughs> that's that's crazy to me. <laughs> that is what, yeah, I think, like, I mean, every all the maxims you learn, all the stuff, like, to me, like, this movie breaks my principles. Like, there is character assassination on a level we've never seen before. Like, how, like you said, how do you relate to the to the to the central character to the protagonist we all know this going in why she is she with that car in the first 10 minutes why is she doing these things and then you need that other character as a touchstone but like to to actually understand this as a traditional three-act story uh, that is perhaps the greatest testament to my education. <laughs> I haven't used it for dog shit else. I've used it for this. To understand the car fucking movie. I can recognize. Yeah, I can recognize. Oh, that's the, yeah, that's, you know, the meeting with well, the mentor. I do, <laughs> I do want to give, I mean, both Vincent Linden uh, and Agatha Roussel great jobs. And I think it's. It's a great job in a couple ways. I, I, first of all, I wonder if Lyndon will run supporting because I would think Ooh. he'd have a better chance, even though he's one of the main characters. I, I don't know if anyone has a chance in this movie, to be honest, with Oscar's legs. But knowing what we have coming up on the slate, I would think Neon would recognize that running him as a supporting gives him a better chance at making any kind of headway there. I'm rooting for Lindone. I'm not going to lie. He's one of my favorite performances of the year. It's very good. I think, I think the fact that you're, he's a guessing game for the first watch. And then well, it's, one, it's obscure too, Mike, yeah. because like there's so little dialogue in this movie. And it could be taken in two ways. That's why like text and subtext is really rich on its topical level. <laughs> but, the, it's, but the performances yeah. themselves have so much to do with what they're, you know, they're so reliant on their body and facial yeah. expressions and like both characters are really doing stuff that's if it's not done with such conviction it really could come off cringeworthy and take you completely out of the the movie altogether and it doesn't i mean it, they, they do a great job of keeping you in that world with what they're doing i mean it's that high quality of a performance without speech is something very rare in actor speech in actor lingo i think or maybe this is what critics perceive actor lingo as these are committed performances yes yeah. And I I agree wholeheartedly. I think Vincent Lindon, you know, he had to buy in full, uh, you know, everything he had. And, and Agatha Roussel, to the point, like, go listen to interviews about this and, and the casting process and how she was found out of nowhere and how she didn't know the plot. Like, let's put it this way. <laughs> you probably can't pitch actors this plot and get actors to do this movie. Right. <laughs> <laughs> And Lindon himself, to his credit, he took like two years off of being an actor to get his body in shape because he wanted to actually seem like this part and doing all this weightlifting and doing it the right way. So because he knows he's an older gentleman, he didn't want to hurt himself and blah, blah, blah. So, yeah, committed is, is definitely a word I would use to for both of those uh, both of those performances here. Yeah, you and I should learn from that. We got to slowly but surely get our asses back in shape. Uh, I think uh, the ensemble does a really nice job. There are talk about touchstones like we live this story a lot through the ensemble performances garance uh, millionaire uh from raw excuse me she's justin justine in this my god the first act we have with her uh bertrand bonello is uh Ale alexia's father miriam akediu is adrian's mother P apologies for the botching of their names but uh three standout performances in very small parts and there is no small parts so I, I really appreciated uh, the fact that you 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 have a uh, a script so reliant on these characters that just pop in and pop out of the story. I, I, if you don't have the level of acting that right. high, you, the it, the movie doesn't work. So, and the production values are equally off the charts. The sound as well. The soundtrack, the score is great, and there are some sounds that are just. I mean, they're seared into my brain now because of how loud and over... I, I remember walking out of the theater when the credits were playing 
and the door closing behind me as that song was going on, walking to the bathroom in the Trumbull Theater, and I could still hear with the door closed my theater from the bathroom where I was. That's I mean, it was just so loud the entire Good. movie. So that's the thing. Like, this movie is going to stick in people's brains. Yeah. Right? The Academy's brain, and that's probably why it did well at Cannes, because people come, come away from watching this movie, and they're like, yeah, <laughs> I remember every bit of right. that, and this is seared into my brain now. Okay, but so, is trauma a reason to celebrate a film? <laughs> well, but we've seen it happen before. Like, the screener pile argument, it, it matters. So could best sound actually be a star? I mean, the path for this movie is easy, right? It's international feature. And then where else could it draw from? Best sound is a possibility. And you look, soundtrack and score... The score is strange. Like, you have dance music, folk hymnals, French pop in the soundtrack, Chamber and it's all, pieces, like, reprised. Chanting, yeah. yeah. It's reprised into this weird cult-like, just reli- religious valedictions to learn a word that I used <laughs> in the Critique the Critics of our last episode, right? You have all that in this score and this soundtrack that I, I actually want to start our spoiler session off on to kind of delve in because there's not a lot of ways to get at this script. There's not a lot of accessibility. So kind of doing some song interpretations might be the only way. <laughs> and that's what I was doing on the train last <laughs> night. But uh, yeah, I, I think the sound of this movie is next level. So all of it, all the audio of this movie is next level. I, I would agree. Editing, cinematography, costumes, makeup and hair, the makeup and hair, the prosthetics are really important. What What's your takeaway from kind of the visual production values this would have be have to be in the running for the least amount of cuts in a feature film ever i mean wow. the, she does not the camera doesn't move sometimes and she does not cut away from anything to increase drama i mean there there are shots that are viscerally uncomfortable that she just keeps you in on and makes you watch and it's so disconcerting because it puts you in basically the pov of if you're like sitting in the room with this stuff as it's actually happening and it, it, there's two scenes in particular I'll talk about in spoilers that it really, I was, I don't cringe and I don't get like uncomfortable. And I was like, all right, that's, let's do something here. Let's move the camera. Let's fucking get me out of this shot. So I'm not staring at this. Yeah. I, I am shocked that, that this movie got you to that place because yeah. you make fun of me for getting to that place. <laughs> and then you criticize for me when I don't get to that place. So I, I don't yeah, know. Yeah. I didn't, yeah, I don't, I don't, I didn't get to that place with this. Why? Why? What's wrong with me? This is this is going to be a new uh, thing about this movie. You can't help but ask that. But I'm know. the outward sociopath, and you're the inward. You know? <laughs> oh no! Oh no! What does this movie mean about me? Uh, great dance scenes, which I did not expect. Confounding dance scenes, which I did expect. I think uh, somewhat laughable dance... dance scenes at times. <laughs> Right, I don't know what the dance scenes are getting. Well, I, I you know, I, I got a clue now. I would say, but I, you know, on first watch, I was, I was like confused about the joyousness of some dance scenes because mm-hmm. you're wondering about the motivations of the characters, and then, yeah, you have the flip side to those cinematography with the purple haze of the dance room with the. You know, I I think there's some shots that you're never going to forget. Like, they're burned in your brain for Mm -hmm. good and for ill. That is true. I agree with that. I wonder if there's more of a chance for... For, for for the artistry to get awarded down the down the line. Like, if this movie does gain momentum, it's going to have a lot of momentum. The makeup and hair styling, like I said, it's huge for the film. But basically, the indication I'm getting right now, is just to, to, to wrap up an Oscar lens here, is just there's just not enough momentum for this movie carrying from the film festival circuit through the actual box office, through the real zeitgeist, to the Academy. Uh, so like this movie has to has to be sworn in in a way by the director's guild or it has to be sworn in by an international based academy director's <sighs> branch i just like i was going to play the clip from animal house when you talked about its oscars chances outside of international film and be like 0. <laughs> 0. i i mean you're with we eric weber yeah. We live in a world in which the Academy, on a down year during a pandemic, thought that Pieces of a Woman was too inaccessible. 
with those mm-hmm. performances attached to it to, to recognize it outside of its one lead token nomination. And wow. this movie is going to be the one. <laughs> like, I just, <laughs> I don't see it. There's no way. I'm holding out hope in a couple areas. Can I just play devil's sure, advocate for a second? Because at the end of the day, I'm going to agree with you. But I do think there's a fuck it factor. A quote-unquote fuck it factor. Where the Academy's like, all right, we've been quarantined for two years. I almost wonder if, you know, Spike Lee and the group of can Like, all these movies are perverse. <laughs> They're all they're just naked people, just the parade of naked people through all these movies mm-hmm. that I'm now watching at the New York Film Festival that played a can, right? And so maybe this movie is not necessarily as shocking in this year as we thought. So, like, yeah, Awards Ace, yourself, they they think this is like the difference between film Twitter and mainstream academies, etc. And I get that. But this is not wholly unlike... Mulholland Drive, when Mulholland Drive had the lone director nomination mm-hmm. for David Lynch. Is it? I mean, I, obviously the the prestige of the filmmaker, I would say, David Lynch had decades. But that's on... still a one a one nominee movie. Right. I mean, this could be a one no- I, I, international feature. If this is France's that's selection, I path. can see it. That's its path, right? So the movie already is going to have eyes on it because of its awards at the festivals. Does France pick it? If France picks it here... Maybe this is a situation where every time we we start to discount to ten, it it, it overcomes that uh, discreditation, right? That's not a word, I don't think, but it almost is. So I'm going to use it and <laughs> stick with it. So maybe underestimate this movie at your peril. Uh, it would be my only devil's advocacy, but uh, screenplay. If people do make sense of it, directing is probably its best above the line chance. If it's not Vincent Lindone. Yeah, but th- then then we're going back to the old argument of we're going to just no- nominate the director here outside of the screenplay for a first time. You know the Academy prefers to, you know, the directors, quote-unquote, earn their way to that nomination. I just wonder if, pa- you know, Powell Polakowski got in on his second yep. or third movie, right? He did. So this is her second movie. If, uh, they, if they give this nominations and then say this is for because we didn't nominate Tony Collette and Hereditary, then I'm okay with it. <laughs> Like, you can't say those things are so far off the beaten path, and then right. this, which nobody understands or has a firm grasp on, is is something that the, I, I, it'll make no sense to me. So maybe in that way, you're right. I mean, it's perfect for the Academy. I don't know, because they don't make sense sometimes. They don't make sense sometimes, but they probably err on the side of conservatism, though, I would say, in, in typical years. I just wonder if that facade has been wiped away i wonder if the younger academy can be swayed easier than the old guard perhaps I never rarely more... sometimes always was demonized for focusing on a woman's issue <laughs> from well, the academy you're, you're right but i the controversy is not always a problem with the academy for good or for ill right we've talked about that many times on here uh and there's a litany but that's typically the defiance of the old guard Right. That's not that's atypically would be the young segment of the like Parasite sure, didn't I, have yeah, any controversy. Sure. Did, I agree. Did, other than the MMO force controversy and that you didn't like it as much as everybody else. <laughs> it did not have controversy. It was a darling to tan may come up against backlash and that may disqualify. It's beyond the international feature chances that it that it wants, I would say. At the end of the day, because the more people that see this, the more interpretations you can get without things being grounded, like you're, like you're saying. Like It'll be don't... a show of strength if France doesn't pick this and it's still, I mean, if, if we find this being talked about come Oscars time when it's not France's official selection. And... I would be shocked if it if it is. Oh, same, it, same. But ignored I, I, by France and then find, it pops up and direct. Like, I agree. Wouldn't, wouldn't that but be that the would, shock? That would shocks? make me. That would make yeah. me think. Oh wow, there is some a real love for this in the Academy. You know what I mean? I I want to believe that the Academy's already seen it, but again, the box office tells me no. Right. And the film festivals. Are, I mean, it's great. It's great that the Academy and the industry at large goes to Cannes and goes on the film festival circuit, and I'm sure they're they're. You know, looking for buzz-worthy movies to just sit in on. I like you. A, I'm thinking their response is a bit more polarizing than the critics, and B, I'm not sure that enough of the Academy will have seen it at, and then enough of the Academy Mm. is attending these film festivals right now. I'm not 
I'm not I'm not convinced in that regard. So therefore, I would think it needs the international branch to tab it as a selection, and it's on everybody's at home streaming service for them to watch. Ultimately, to to get it over the hump. Do you recommend this as a watch or not? <laughs> <laughs> to, to to my mom no to my brothers yes i you know like that's where i'm at like i already told my brothers to see it even though it's gonna be fucked up like i think it's worth seeing and it's worth exploring and this next section is worth doing i would say you can watch this but if you come out of this and say this is your favorite film or your favorite film of 2021 you're a liar and i don't want to hear from you it can't be. It cannot be. It's so many people have put it there. I never have put it there. I, you know, I know maybe people are mad at my tweet now because I said best picture. But I would think this would be a cool ass best picture contender at the end of the day because of its oh filmmaking. My God, I can't, I can't. I no. can't. Like we're gonna have the pageantry of the Oscars where they're doing these montages to this like opera music fawning about film, and then the car fucking movie is gonna contend for. I just, I would, I'm like, it'd be awesome. You're, you're absolutely right. It'd be the coolest best picture nominee ever. But the, Green Book just won best picture a couple. Like we're still dealing with people who are woefully out of touch. However. The creature from the Black Lagoon had its romance and won how, you know, in runaways races, won all those Oscars. But you're right. That movie was strangely safer as an Academy pick than its, uh, you know, premise. Because read. The I mean, Shape of Water. Obvious. Like the theme, the theme, people knew what that movie was. They were there very wasn't a clearly single person who left Shape of Water and was like, what the hell is going on in that movie? Right. If you looked, if you looked past the fish sex, that movie was very clearly allied to so many Hollywood right. causes, to so many causes of the moment that were important. There were, there were. Everybody was like, you know, th- those were preaching to the choir moments that we were talking about. It's going to matter with the Academy back then, mm-hmm. and we, we in our. Uh, in our eulogy for that season, we talked about why The Shape of Water was so much more accessible than than at first glance. So this movie is not that cuddly blanket at all. <laughs> <laughs> and it's cool, like, you know, horror movie uh, vibe. No, this is just a straight-up horror movie and a body horror movie. Well, let's, uh, let's talk more about it and talk about what we think the themes might be. Let's head into spoilers. Spoilers ahead! This is... A spoiler warning. This is the spoiler section for the movie Titan, uh, brought to you by Mike, Mike, and Oscar in the Oscars profile episode. If you've not seen the movie yet, this is a good place for you to hit pause on this. Go check it out for like eight or nine times in a row before you have a decent grasp on what it could possibly be saying. We'll be here waiting for you when you come back to hit play on us. If you've seen the movie already, I'm sorry. Uh, Also, this is where you want to be because this is going to be all spoilers all the time. All the ins and outs about the plot and the messages question mark that the movie has to tan the oscars profile brought to you by mike mike and oscar mike i have not looked at a single word you've written about this so you're driving the bus here well i'm glad because i just uh i wanted a uh i wanted a movement exercise for us i wanted an acting exercise for us where (laughs) we're now going to reenact auto audio only the dance sequences of the father and son uh in the middle of the movie to uh to the band Future Islands, so I think that's, that's very a, important. So it's three, the best two. use of the song Macarena on film <laughs> in 2021. <laughs> very good. Yes. Yeah, so that I kind of wanted to talk some potential themes, put out the hypothesis to any good scientific method. Then I want to jump into the music, like I said, because that's perhaps the most accessible launching point. But mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, so all right. So potential themes, and you can answer them or not. I this is what I've read. This is what okay. I've seen written in print. Broken people finding love, right? These are broken people. They find love for finding one another. love? And death. Comfort? But I mean, comfort. Fami- familial love? I Again, this is just, I, I, I seen it. I seen it written. <laughs> this is the first sentence in the spoiler section, and I'm already having trouble with it. <laughs> all right, go ahead. I've seen this written. I probably, should, I probably should have attested all these quotes, but I didn't do it. But it's not the family you have, but the family you make. Sure. Because the family you have, you killed. <laughs> Autobots, roll out! I was going to start this episode by saying this is the review of the worst Transformers episode <laughs> I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah, I, I make a lot of bad jokes, so do you. We both have one uh, right in the middle of this uh, s- presentation. Uh, 
you cannot know yourself until you become someone else. Is paraphrasing the actual quote from Julia Ducournau saying, you must become many to become one. It's the most fucking actory thing that's ever been actory said, right? <laughs> but that I is like the, it, though. But that's a jumping off point yeah. for Agatha's character. That's her at the New York Film Festival Q&A. I agree with some part of that in a general regular sense that you got to perform other roles in your life. You got to try things as a young person to understand the essence of who you are, which is essentially what she said. And that's walk a mile in another man's shoes type. Yeah. Now the symbolism that I have not seen really explored to the level that I want is this whole cars, automobiles as a representation for industrialization of the past generation in particular, the warming of our planet right now, the car is this villain in a sense, right? It seduces her. I almost felt like, because she's a serial murderer, I almost felt like the car was the dog that Son of Sam talked to. When I went into this movie, I knew she was like a murderer. And all right, she's listening to this car. Is the car going to tell her to murder? Anyway, the car ultimately dooms her to death. It's a death sentence when she's impregnated by this car, as we find out, which is the most disgusting body horror of the movie. Like, her stomach is exploding throughout this film. Yeah, but it can be covered up easily by a single one-only ace bandage, yeah. One ace bandage can, But I wait guess... a minute. So, so, you think the car is turning her evil? I think the car kills her. By yes, the car, ha- her having the car, that. baby, yep. it does kill her. Yeah, I think the car. I mean, she has sex with the car, and then murder. Eventually, murders a room full of people. Like she almost. Well, that's what I was gonna say. I don't understand. Like the car, the the first kill, and this is my problem with the character's motivation too. Like the first kill is obvious, and I think that's to set us, you know, up that she's. Maybe a little wonky, but she's at least justified in some way to keep you on her side so you're not totally against her the entire movie. But that first kill is, and that's where the camera just fucking stays in the back seat, and you see this guy getting the pen through his ear, and he's foaming at the mouth, drooling on her, and he's it's a graphic death scene, and it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, it's not a pro-car movie. Like, that's not a good scene in a car. Like, that's a... Dis- but, I, but my question would be, if that if the car is the one spurning her to do these things, how does that translate to the massacre in the house? Well, the thing is, the car is what the the contention point between the father and daughter in the the opening scene, right? The opening historical right. scene. Yep. So, no, I'm not getting to the point where the car gets her to kill, but her allegiance and her her love for the car and her love, like I I don't know. I thought about is this about the generational conflict of. You know, I mean, she's a dancer at these auto shows, right? And that only mm-hmm. brings her, you know, other than the joy of actually dancing on the car, which she clearly loves, it brings her pain in the car afterwards. It brings her her death sentence with the car after screwing the car later, which was a nightmare that the director said she always had. She always had a nightmare about giving birth to a monster baby that killed her. That's Julia Ducournau talking about the end of the movie. So, she, of course, she had to have the quote-unquote dream sequence of the bouncing car with the L.A. rims or whatever, the L.A. Mm-hmm. suspension <laughs> that we've seen in a hundred you know, gang movies, right? Uh, so are we thinking too much about sex. this? Is this just literally could just be a movie about a chick gets pregnant by a car? And then poses as no, this long lost son. You can't have a movie where you write in car fucking. I and agree. Not have it I mean agree. Anything, right? <laughs> not have it be a metaphor. So the most obvious metaphor that I guess we can get deeper into is that you know the car, cars are ruining the planet. The fact that we're, our lives are so intertwined with industrialization, it's killing us. It's killing. It's gonna kill the next generation. It's it's fusing us together right now <laughs> in a very real way that she births Colossus, right? Yeah. So Alexia is Mother Earth. If she is, Mother Earth is in a in major in ma- is having a major problem. It's almost it's and it, and it's killing people. Mother Earth is killing people with all of its. Uh, I do think I do think it's it's a movie about climate change. It's my best guess. Mother Earth is killing people with all of its extreme storms that we're getting worse than ever right now. I mean that's that's my best guess at the symbolism at the moment. I don't hate that. There, I mean, 
there's nothing in this movie to suggest that, but I don't like you. I can retrofit everything I've seen into that narrative. Well, that's enough. A, a lot of people are reading into their own themes, kind of right. like right. I'm going to talk about the French Dispatch later on uh, that we recorded prior to this, but and in a later episode. But I do think people are reading into this movie. They're bringing their, their a lot of their own guesses guesswork at it. So, all right, let's try to find our touchstones in a way. Because now you get into religion. <laughs> Michael, what do these songs mean? And I looked up a couple of them. First of all, the song, the country song, is actually a folk song at the beginning of the movie. The English folk song, The Wayfaring Stranger, okay, that the father is listening to and, and raises the volume on mm-hmm. while the daughter is humming to the engine of the car that he doesn't want to hear. The, so I he, don't, listen, I, I can't have kids. <laughs> <laughs> this seems like a fairly so annoyed normal. by that kid humming the motor, right? So the father, and then the father freaks out. So you know the father cares for the daughter because the daughter freaks out, takes her seatbelt off, and that's when the father freaks out in the front seat. Uh, the father is very concerned. He feels very guilty in the surgeon's office. I think the father's a doctor, by the way. It's just context clues. Yeah, some kind of some kind of internalist or organ. Yeah, I, yeah. Because the the mother tells the father to examine the girl's yeah, he, tummy she aches checks later. Out her stomach. Yeah. The the surgeon talking about the girl's you know uh, titanium plate in her head says, as you know, you got to look out for these signs and symptoms. Mm. Anyway, I, and then he's got the lakefront uh, estate, so right. I think he's well well off there. But the wayfaring stranger to get back to that folk song is is a song about being okay with death you're like i'm going off crossing jordan i'm going off to be with jesus to be with my lord i'm going to die and i'm okay with it because i'm going i'm going to heaven so the father here is going to die 10 minutes later and he wants to listen to the song about him, him dying again which is why i think like this is a generational thing she's obsessed with the car that the father is driving her in and 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 he is obsessed with all right i'm ready i'm moving out of this life later on in the movie she dances to a reprise of the song atop that fire truck which is a song about i'm okay with death i'm going off to join my lord i'm going this is this folk song that she's doing her strip tease to at the end of the movie on the fire truck that all these firemen who are dedicated to saving lives so it's not just a gender thing where they're kind of confused and everything. It is. It is that. And maybe they're transphobic. And, and not maybe. Well, that, they yeah, are. I mean, that's what I took it as, is that it's okay that we're shirtless dancing, but you're doing it the wrong way. So you're the weird one. Now you have the effeminate dance. Yeah. But to me, I think if you read into the song, it was, it tipped you off that the father was going to die early on. It is very clearly a song about wanting, welcoming death. That's the religious hymnal of it all. And and then she is welcoming death when she knows, like, she just struggled to get her belly in. She barely could do it. Later on, she's going to be like, fuck it, and run around the grounds naked. She's about to give birth. Uh, and, yeah, I mean, at that point, she's done with the ruse, and she's just dancing for all these guys at, at that point because she knows she's not going to be able to hide this much longer she couldn't hide it from the father in the scene previous she couldn't hide it from the mother in several scenes previous she was done there you're looking a lot of levels deeper than i could at this point i mean i don't so she's she's her seductive dancing is what's the, what's the contrast with when she's seen by vincent in that scene so Vincent saw her a couple scenes earlier, her breasts. He knows that either his son had a sex change, but I, I think once he, he kind of realizes that this is a pregnant woman. Right, and I think that's kind of one of the big questions, too, about the entire movie, is that is Vincent aware? He has to be aware that that's not actually his son. Well, that's what I was wondering the whole movie, right? That was a major question. And I thought during my first watch... That Vincent was, or he could have been, a murderer. Like, I mean, we've followed enough true crime, right? Mm-hmm. To where you always look at the father in a missing persons case, especially a missing child, right? So his son, Adrian, was a missing person. He's reunited with this prodigal son who claims to be his son that a broken nose is is is, is hiding from him uh, and, and an ace bandage, right? I mean, mm-hmm. unbelievable, but there you go. 
And well, that's uh, part of the reason why I think he has to like. It's it's so obvious to everyone else, including his ex-wife. The ex-wife. Well, I was glad that the ex-wife kind of figured it out very quickly. Right. It's so so quick. That's why this guy, he's in such crisis that you're wondering, A, like my first watch, I'm wondering, did he murder his real son? And this is just his way of dealing with that grief that he'll go, sure, he'll take this prodigal daughter here and he's just terror- yeah. pro- and he's just going to terrorize this daughter just like he ter- cuz he's kind of his tyrannical version of toxic masculinity. Well, and that's the one theme I'm able to hold on to and, and glean from. I mean, I he is the poster child for toxic masculinity. I have to be the buffest. I have to I can't accept my mortality. I'm not getting older. I got to keep up with these young pups. I am god to all of them. Anyone related to me is above anyone else I work with. I'm I'm doing steroids to keep myself bigger because of that's the that's what being masculine is and blah right. blah blah. I mean, I for as much as I say that there's a lack of themes, I think that's one that's pretty obvious and then his wrestling with masculinity is where the Adrian character comes in. Right. So it is a movie about gender in that regard. And it is like the, I was, I was actually surprised about this, the accusation of transphobia because I thought the movie was talking about transphobia. It is talking about gender phobias in the, in that generation. I mean, it comes down hard on the father for his prejudices. Yeah. I did think there was an idea that gender is fluid that was being presented. Right. And I think it was, I thought it was actually exemplified best by that dancing scene where there, if we're all men and it's okay for you guys to be doing what would be considered on in, you know, a context or historically maybe more homoerotic, you're all shirtless dancing with each other, grinding up on each other. Right. It's a, but I'm, that's, I'm a guy too. And I'm yeah. just dancing on top of a fire truck, but because I'm touching my knees, you all think yeah. I'm the weird one or I'm the one that might be homo. Like it's, it's, it's to me, that is what I gleaned from that. And I was like, okay, this is a movie that's trying to make a, take a message about gender fluidity, which right. I appreciated. That was a harsh critique of that room of firemen, I right. thought. Right. I mean, that's I a very, well. very obvious well. critique. of. I don't think they're – I mean, we're, we're dismayed by those firemen. And then, again, we're wondering about Papa Vincent's motivations. After that scene, he gets drunk, spits – you know, and again, he's trauma. I mean, this guy's been through so much because he's helping – He's like going through one fire after the next. He's roided up, so he's all fucked up brain chemistry-wise. Mm-hmm. I mean, we know he's suicidal. That's another thing. Like he 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 states it right off the bat to his to his, what he thinks is his son, Adrian. He's like, if I even hurt you, I'll kill myself. And then right. later on, he uh, he's he's playing with the fire scenario like he doesn't care if he dies in that and then he tr- he tries to give himself two shots of the steroids was was that a cry for help i mean this is a suicidal man dealing with his grief so actually when he realizes that's not his son when he fu- when he fully confirms it in the bathroom and it, then he's wondering about the scenario that she was in what has she lied to him this whole time and he tries to kill himself he spits and he almost burns himself alive it was it was disheartening so you actually look at the song prior to that future islands lighthouse that is famously a song by samuel t herring and future islands and he has talked about the meaning of the song about him dealing with his suicidal thoughts a lot of his friends Hmm. had died of drug overdoses and this was a song about how his girlfriend loved him through the process of grieving for those many dead friends and for talking him out and getting him to therapy. And, and it's a really touching song. If you, and, and that well, that song happens right after the Macarena scene. So it's this father just grateful that he wants to embrace life again. And he, that's why he's closing his eyes and he's moving with the song. And it's just and then he does the literal fireman's carry and he grabs mm. her and puts her on his back and he does the spinning around. That's a joyous scene. And it really played that well on way on rewatch. It's it's quite the contrast to the doing it to death from the kills where she's dancing on the car early on, which is a song about a destructive relationship a doomed romance, meaningless sex. We're six sixing every night. Doesn't matter. We're doing it to death, etc., etc. I have this, you know. But car it is still that a destructive relationship to the father. Like he needs to stay in his cycle. He needs to keep doing steroids. He needs to believe that this is his long lost son because he's that close to the edge of. 
I mean, living in this fantasy land is still right. detrimental to his life and well-being to the Absolutely. point where he kills. So, he, I mean, he murders essentially that one guy who's calling him out in the middle of the fire when he hands him the like here, hold this, the tank that explodes in that one fire. Yeah, he's but he thinks you know. I think he 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 thinks that guy's going to out his son. That guy I agree. was against his son. They were rivals, yeah. and he can't he can't handle the idea that. That's going to ha- like he can't handle his son being outed as not his son, but that's at odds with he has to know it's not his son. I, I forget when the bathroom scene happens. I think the bathroom scene happened before either. that, right? He sees Agatha's breasts and he sees the ace bandage over her belly, and mm-hmm. then that scene happens, and then they're all celebrating the rescue. Uh, so I, I, I'm, not, I'm unsure. It's like one guy was dead or he got him out. I don't know. Like, why would they have a dance party after a friend died? That couldn't have been a well, fireman's he's, he's funeral. He's clearly dead though, because doesn't she see the vision of him on the dance floor? Oh, so that's their way to blow off steam after a fireman's death. That doesn't make much sense. I mean, it's, that's just insane. Be, you know, it just could be another, a non sequitur to make a comment about the hyper masculinity of, or the hyper toxic masculinity about that profession. And they general. can't handle their grief. Yeah, yeah. They can't handle their grief, but the, right. I mean, of course he can't handle it. Cause he's trying to kill himself. He can't handle any grief. Like he can't handle reality. Right. So that the fact that the movie ends with his training, taking over and saving her, her, her son's or daughter's life, the Colossus transformer baby's life. <laughs> and the fact that he winds up at the end of this movie, Doing two things in that scene. Number one, he he rejects her sexual advances. Like she's kissing his stomach and goes to kiss his. Mouth After a like, minute. After a minute. I mean, he's he's in it first. And no, he's, he, but he's not in. I, I rewatched it pretty closely the second because I'm wondering if he's a pedophile murderer the whole movie. That's again. That's what I'm wondering. <laughs> which, which I'm amazed. I did not get that at all through my the, watch. My whole like first did. watch, I'm like, all right. Well, our protagonist is a serial killer. Is this other guy even worse? Pedophile right. murderer. That so, so actually watching it a second time, he does reject her and he his training takes over and he does deliver the baby and it seems like he's going to be nurturing to the baby. So you, if the filmmaker winds up on that end with the father, I think the filmmaker's saying that the father was genuine all along and that it was actually, you know, because we're wondering, is he laughing about the cross-dressing? But I don't think, I think he's laughing about the fact that you know, the son was also a cross-dresser and I actually, I have to believe that you're my son now because you're cross-dressing with the same dress. People, and that's what he says to him. He's like, people tell me you can't be my son. How funny is this? You're doing the same thing my son used to do. You must be my son. And then there's actually a, a honeymoon period there's where they really get along uh, in the plot. So, you know, I just think at the end of the day, I think this movie kind of works as the character study. Now, what does it all mean? I still don't know. We're, we've gotten through a lot of it. Now, the character assassination, though. Like, how do we get past that massacre in that house? Like, to Yeah, I, it's, it's, it's a linchpin that I really... I don't know how to fit that into my interpretation of this movie at all. But, like, my guess, and this happened to me, like, this movie became almost dead to me in a way for a time period and i'm like you have this we have both disqualified movies before you at a, a maybe a higher profile than me disqualified movies where the reasons for murder were almost melodramatic and now she does get that first kind of vigilante kill where you see how it's in self-defense but right beyond, and it's justified i would say yeah, and I and I get I and I honestly I get why she kills her parents because her dad watches her walking in with like blood on her right, and now she knows her father figures it out or right. what. So I mean I get I mean the fact that she can't leave anybody alive in the house and she's almost sad that she has to kill the rest of the group, but she doesn't want to. But why did she have to kill the girl in the first place? I mean it could be she's a reflection of Adrian's father. I mean, she has trouble accepting her own sexuality in that instance because she, I mean, I don't know. I'm just pontificating off the top. I'm just guessing off the top of my head here and really just kind of grasping at straws. But I I completely agree that I really have a frustration with where the hell that massacre fits 
at all. I don't even know how they get to that house. Like, what is that? Let's is it just, just put, an orgy? Yeah. Let's no. I think it's just some house with young people in it that are all you know partnered up, and she's just one of them. And you know, so I, I think the she didn't realize she was in that spot. I mean, they were outside, and she just she's trying to have a semi normal sex life, and she absolutely except she cannot. can't. Like she's she's gnawing on the girl's nipple. Right. She you can't. Absolutely no chance. And then, and then, you know, she's already. And been maybe that's why she goes silent. Never mind, just self-preservation to keep her identity hidden. But maybe as Adrian, she goes silent because she's found that when she expresses herself, people get hurt. Right. And again, I, I wonder if it's you know if she is Mother Earth in this allegorical sense. I don't think this movie's an allegory. But I, I've, I've been surprised by, you know, other movies becoming allegories at the end of the day. Anyway, I think. Uh, I think if she's symbolic of Mother Earth, Mother Earth is having a hard time relating to human beings these days. You know, I think that's obvious. And she can't. And it's just, mm. it's destructive. You know, the, the, the more humans you relate to as, as Mother Earth, the more, distra- you know, overpopulated. I, I don't know. I, I wonder if that, like, again, that's my best guess at the theme, kind of to, you know, to come back around full circle. I'm more in on this movie after this conversation for sure. I mean, there. I, I definitely need to watch it again. And I wasn't like, I didn't come off hating this in my first watch. It's I, I was willing to give it a B minus B grade anyway, because it's really well done. It's highly polished and it's shot well and it makes you uncomfortable and it's supposed to. And there's a lot of stuff going for it that I think is, is very well done. But I just, man, there's, there's problems with the, with the theme of it. I just can't. And I, I guess I'm willing to say it's a me problem, except that nobody has a grasp on the theme. Uh, yeah, I, if the, obviously if if you don't know what the movie's about, there's the danger that it could be about something horrible. And sure, <laughs> you know when you get accusations like have been made in IndieWire, can we necessarily refute those accusations? I, I you know, I don't know. I I hope this movie is is not transphobic. I hope this movie is not. But we we have to you know leave listen and that's I I mean I've, I read that immediately, and we have to I have to be more open to those accusations like we we have to we're gonna get a backlash to this movie, whether it happens now or three months from now, it's coming like it's you know yeah so, but more people have to see it for that to happen too to for right. that to for articles to be written about it and for people to care about the backlash it's got to do better than it is in theaters right now as well true. So they could be that actually could be a case where maybe the controversy prolongs its awards chances. I don't know. Well, that's why backwards way. That's why accessibility that you and Eric Weber are talking about matters, because if it doesn't even get that debate, then it doesn't have Academy chances. Right. Yeah, I I, I don't. Yeah, this is (laughs) I will be. You're already ruling. Both of you guys have ruled it out. Yeah, I, 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 I probably will agree with you at the end of the day. The question becomes. Does it still have that inter? Does it stay alive as an international feature? And that could very well happen. We've seen France. I'm not. Yeah, I'm not ruling it out for international feature. Certainly. I mean, okay. it, I could see France. Except, I mean, Christ, it won the Palm d'Or, which I have my own. I mean, how a jury? <laughs> never mind. But, but I have my own thing, issues like, with right, the Palm If d'Or. you had not seen this movie yet, and you're an Academy member, and you got this streaming service with 93 international selections, which selection are you clicking on at home? Right. You're clicking on to 10. You're clicking on the Palm Dior winner. Clearly. Clearly. So that's why I think this movie still has a second life in it, and it has a possibility because of its profile at these festivals heading in. I will give you all the credit in the world if it it rides there, and then I'll pound the table demanding justice for horror movies past. Like, if if the Academy can wrap their arms around this, but not Lupita Nyong'o and us, where's the Mm -hmm. disconnect? What am I missing? Yeah, it's it's it would be thoroughly frustrated in that frustrating in that regard. But still, when a horror movie breaks through, you know, again, I we almost need a part two to this spoiler section. Yeah, this, you know, a, a month from now, we need we need to keep studying this movie. But oh god, this is one of those movies to study. That scare it's scary to study this year. I'm Does this movie of what gain I'll, I'll points? Find. Does it gain points or lose points if the title card at the end said "Titan: A Transformers Prequel"? <laughs> oh, it would uh it would gain points for my 80s babiness, right? Wouldn't it? 
I grew this up. This was just about the birth of Optimus Prime. This is oh. well, I mean, th- again uh, going towards my theme. That's why I'm like, all right, half machine, half human. That's what we're dealing with here. Uh, an abomination, right? <laughs> Cyborgs are the only ones that'll be here after the uh, the post apocalyptic. Yeah, there's a Tom Hanks movie, much more accessible. It's <laughs> about to come out on Apple TV Plus to the same end. There would have been a good uh, a good character swap. Have Tom Hanks play the uh, Vincent role in this. See how right. many more people get to see it. That will be a surrogate father that people can actually believe, you know, get behind. Whereas this surrogate father, you can't do. You're not watching this on Father's Day, and you're not <laughs> recommending fathers and daughters to watch. This is what you're saying. Not yet, but maybe maybe that's. Can you imagine, you know, like all of all the holiday movies that we've found and that have been debated about on film Twitter? It's it's that's those are the questions. Is is Die Hard a Christmas movie? And how many times did you watch Titan on Father's Day with Tom Hanks? <laughs> there you go. <laughs> what do you have for a grade? I'm gonna stick with a B minus. I'll say like eighty two ish. So I came out of my first screening B plus eighty nine. I actually dinged it a point on my second screening B plus eighty eight. That's that's where I'm very at high, right now. Yeah. yeah. Still very high. Uh I don't know if we resolved anything, but I want to know what the listeners think and I want to know uh what what everyone else is saying about Tatan and how are they coming to grips with it? What do they think? Uh what do you think, dear listener, is the theme of this? What was the thing that stuck out most to you? What are your highs? What are your lows? Do you think Tom Hanks should have played the role of Vincent? You can leave us all of those as well as any other thoughts, comments, questions, or concerns about anything else we do here in the MMO Empire on our social medias. We are at Mike Mike and Oscar on Facebook and Instagram, at MM and Oscar on Twitter, Mike Mike and Oscar at gmail.com.com and on Reddit. We are available wherever you hear podcasts, including and especially the Apple Podcasts app. And if that's where you're listening to us right now, if you would be so kind as to leave us a five-star review if you appreciate what we do here or how many times we can substitute Tom Hanks into different roles, uh, we would truly (laughs) appreciate that from you. Thank you to everyone who has done that thus far. Michael, tell the good people what is coming next and let's get out of here with some words of wisdom. So No Time to Die is a long awaited much anticipated film study from us we'll be doing that with a buddy david long of the is it worth it film podcast then we have already recorded uh, a new york film festival centric first reaction show that'll be our oscar race checkpoint for the beginning of next week while you're away and while you are uh on vacation and have a great time buddy by the way it's much well deserved while you're out uh i'll be recording an episode with andrew morgan of the nomcast at least that's the plan to release for the end of next week before we come back together and review halloween kills so that's the schedule in terms of words of wisdom like i can can you even pretend wisdom at the end of this i think (laughs) i think the wisest thing we've said all episode is be open-minded be humble and go into this you know, with an ex, explore, you know, a sense of exploration, right? I mean, yeah. critics actually being like that's why you're you're skeptical of the praise, as am I, for a movie like this because we don't yet have a handle on it, and we need mm. to probably, right. I would say, right. The default position sometimes is, well, that guy liked it, so I'll say I did, and that that's where the the message yeah, gets muddled. Care- we've seen this, we've seen that blow up in critics' faces right. so many times this year. Never mind all time. Right, right. Uh, True. Good words of wisdom there today. Guys, when reality sucks or, you know, is just confusing to live through, (laughs) come try to figure it all out with us. We are Mike, Mike, and Oscar trying to make award season year-round without the stuffiness. We will see you all very soon. See ya.